three-dimensional transforming musical linguistic objects. Greetings from Cyberdelic Space. This is Lorenzo, and I'm your host here in the Psychedelic Salon. I guess a prudent person uh, would say something like, Now, don't try doing what you're about to hear without a great deal of trepidation and some serious research before you begin. And uh, be sure you have a full awareness of the risks you're going to be taking. In other words, today we're going to hear from a man that I consider to be probing the extreme far edges of consciousness research. His name is Zoe Seven, and I consider him a dear and trusted friend. I think the talk we're about to listen to was uh, his first major appearance. It was at Mind States 2 in uh, May of 2001, and uh, appropriately, I guess, the uh, location was in Berkeley, California. I should also add that this was the first major conference at which I spoke about my favorite topic, psychedelic thinking which was a topic I discovered only after the fact got me permanently banned from my previous career in speaking at mainstream corporate conferences, but that's another story. For now, let's travel back to the Memorial Day weekend in 2001. Can you remember those lazy, hazy days before the Bush crime family launched its war of terror on all of us? It was a Sunday evening, and everyone was stretched pretty thin, both physically and emotionally, not only did Zoe have to give his talk right after dinner, <laughs> poor guy, he had to follow uh, that powerful presentation Nick Sand had given just before the break. You know, it was probably the worst place to be on on uh, that speaker's bill, and on top of that, he had to face a semi-hostile crowd. And I say semi-hostile because the audience seemed to be divided between those who were totally blown away by his research, and that was the group I was in, and... There was a, another group of what sounds rather oxymoronic when you say it, but uh, <laughs> they were the psychedelic conservatives. Now, I'm not saying that uh, either group had access to a higher truth here. My point is is that there aren't many people sitting on the fence after they read or listen to Zoe. He's one of a kind, truly unique, and in my humble opinion, an extremely valuable research scientist and adventurer, a true explorer out there in the far edges of consciousness. Now, I'll let you be the judge of those ideas for yourself. And unfortunately, there was a little technical glitch that cut off the first few minutes of Zoe's talks. So we'll join him where he begins talking about some of his early experiments where he combined using brainwave synchronizers and psychedelics. However, I found that uh, with the a brainwave synchronizer, if I would induce myself to go into a... Uh, theta, predominant theta, or a delta uh, brain state, the experiences were vastly different than with either psychedelic or brain technology device alone. Uh, again, that piqued my curiosity. And I decided to study quantum physics simply because I became aware that what we perceive as something like a table, reality, is our senses, is what our senses construct inside our minds into what we call reality. But 
right now I would suppose there's maybe 100, 200 people. So therefore there's, well, me, 201. There's 201 tables being projected into the fabric of our space-time continuum. Each table, I came to learn from my studies in quantum physics, will have a slightly different variation. Um, but there's no one table. This to me seemed a little odd and bizarre, but I came to uh, find that uh, what we per perceive as subatomic particles, and atoms, and reality, they're vibrating so fast that neurologically, and I'm paraphrasing here, neurologically we're able to perceive just a single one of those spins. That's what we call our reality. In quantum physics it's called the collapse of the wave function. Uh, an example that I can give you is picture uh, a helicopter that's got the, uh, the Ford that is like a cross and it starts going fast, fast and it gets to the point where it looks like it's a circle because it's going so fast but in reality it's not a circle. So that's the same thing that happens with this. You know, we just perceive this frozen structure in space-time, but there's other... All the atoms are vibrating still, but we're missing that. It's the same thing as if uh, someone was to take a picture of me right now. They're not catching what's happening afterwards, which I'm walking around, and what happened before when I was here. So that's what we're seeing. And we, uh, with uh, psychedelics and hallucinogens, I came to discover what I can only describe as alternate universes, alternate realities. Now, in my book, I go, I, I discuss at length and I go into the training that I underwent. But just to give you a brief idea, because we don't have much time, um, I would take a psychedelic, a new psychedelic, such as, uh, let's say, you know, LSD or mushrooms. I would get a tape recorder out, voice activated. And 15 minutes into the experience, I would say, what's going on? Uh, 30 minutes into the experience, I would report back. Now, what this was doing, again, from my research, I figured out, it was creating neurological pathways in my uh, neurolinguistic part of the brain. Because I was describing, I was using my language centers in order to put into words what I was seeing, what I was experiencing. I also employed a uh, slide projector together with uh, hypnagogic uh, imagery. Hypnagogic imagery occurs right at the onset of, actually in between falling asleep and being awake and that drowsiness when you're in heavy uh, theta brain state. So, by doing uh, what I call a reversed uh, writing, I'm a right-handed person, but I used my left hand in order to write backwards sentences that could only be read by using a mirror. What, did di what this did was create, again, neurological pathways in my uh, visual center 
The reason that I'm so sure this is what was going on at the time that I was doing this training was because if you don't know how to crochet, at first it's going to be hard. But after you practice for a few days, actually protocol is two weeks, you will get it. It's like the same as riding a bike. you got to create those neurological pathways. But once that you do it, they're there forever. And you can just not ride a bike for 20 years. You come back, just, you know, you remember it. It's there. Those pathways have been carved. So, once that I undertook this uh, training and combined it with the brain technology devices and the psychedelics, all hell break loose. All hell break loose. Uh, and I describe all those harrowing experiences in my book. Um, what I'd like to talk about now is dissociatives and neuroelectrical stimulation. In my early experiments with ketamine and DXM, I found that it was almost impossible to recall all of the information, all of the data, all the ex all of the experience. And I found that by employing neuroelectrical neuro stimulation, as opposed to another substance such as uh, D.M. Turner used 2CB, I believe, with ketamine in order to bring back more of the experience. I've also heard of people using amphetamine uh, in order to bring more of the experience. But, at least for me, another, other substances sort of uh, colored the experience. I didn't have a pure experience. And... It allowed me to bring back, ex, you know, exquisite details, exquisite concepts that I could verbalize, and started forming my own model of reality. Uh, the mechanics behind creativity. What do I mean by the mechanics behind creativity? Well, when I started uh, visiting these. Uh, parallel universes or, or actually probable versions of Earth, I knew that I was doing so because they, what they teach you when you're learning lucid dreaming is that uh, they, what they call, uh, what is called a reality test. A reality test is something that you do that can't happen, can affect physical reality. What do I mean by this? Uh, if I know, if I have the suspicion that I'm dreaming in the lucid dream and I look at my hand if I look at it two or three times and it changes in any way sometimes I will be looking at my hand and I'll, I'll have a tree trunk and I that would tell me since that can't happen in physical reality that I was indeed dreaming that was used as a trigger to go wait I know I'm dreaming Another uh, reality test you can do is you start imagining you're floating up in the air. And if you start floating, you realize that you're dreaming. What happened in my experiences is that sometimes I would do these reality tests, but nothing would happen. I would be standing, my hands, I would read uh, newspaper articles, uh, 
big posters, and they didn't change. And since I started training my uh, analytical mind to go into these altered states, I started asking questions to the quote-unquote dream characters. And they they weren't dream characters, they were real people. You know, I asked one time, you know, what's the name of your president? Tate Edson. Not Bill Clinton, you know. So it just made me realize that there was something more than just dreaming to this. More than just a astral projection where you visit your rel- red dead relatives. There was something a little more bizarre. And because of my studies in quantum physics, I realized that I wasn't crazy. And the physicists that postulate these theories were right on the money. I at least I proved it to myself that this was what was happening. Now, another substance that I find fascinating, other than ketamine, which is my favorite, is diamond hydronate. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that uh, psychoactive chemical. In uh, low dosages, what what it does is that it uh, alleviates or prevents motion sickness. But when you take it in large doses, what I find fascinating about this substance is that it will produce life-like, three-dimensional, seemingly three-dimensional solid hallucinations if you want to call them that but they are so real and I came to find why because when I took readings of my brain waves with an EEG called a mind mind mirror I realized that my brain was mostly delta I was asleep actually my brain was asleep I was awake standing up in my living room with a little tape recorder documenting my experience but I was seeing people waving at me cars driving by in my living room as real as real can be and this is because I was dreaming my brain was fooled into thinking that it had gone to sleep so I started doing what it normally does when it's sleeping constructing another model of reality that comes from this subconscious mind, which I believe is a gateway to hyperspace, alternate reality, psychedelic realities, parallel universes, even God. In a bit, later on, I started mixing combos. I started coming up with combos to see what their effects would be. Uh, D.M. Turner's work uh, greatly contributed to this curiosity. And he was so meticulous in his uh, details uh, of his experiences that I made that my goal to have detailed descriptions of what I was experiencing. Another piece of uh, brainwave technology that I found useful were hemi-sync CDs and tapes. And basically what they do is that they send a uh, 
signal to uh, via headphones to each ear and make their brain resonate in whatever frequency the CD is targeted for. When I combine that, uh, the uh, this technology, this type of technology, with LSD, I found the experience much more psychedelic. It's the only word that I can use because in my book I separate psychedelics from hallucinogens. To me, a true hallucinogen is a substance that will make you hallucinate objects or people as close to reality as possible. Whereas a psychedelic will usually give you some type of insight, feeling, and maybe slight visions. And that wasn't too appealing to me. Uh, what I wanted to do is I wanted to explore the highways and byways of creation. Um, what I'd like to uh, discuss next is some of the experiences that resulted from these uh, combinations. Uh, like I said at the beginning of the uh, talk, I wanted to know where we came from, what sort of intelligence created us, if any. Was it just an accident? You know, is there a meaning? Does it come from somewhere? Uh, I was raised Catholic, although I don't follow any organized religion. Uh, but I do believe in a greater intelligence, quote-unquote a God, God, universal intelligence. And for those of you who are atheists, I would say you have to believe at least in something. This is something. It's not nothing. So at least, you know, let's say this is something. I wanted to know the beginning, where something came from. Or did it originate? <laughs> did something create something? I don't know. I wanted to find out. So I decided to use a uh, dose, heavy dose of uh, ketamine in conjunction with uh, neuroelectrical stimulation and program myself uh, with the command witness the origin of God witness the origin of creation witness the origin of existence like I said before these concepts are very abstract to say the least but I've been able to put them into words because of my training in my experience there was a point after all the, you know, psychedelic, hallucinogenic, you know, hoopla, where all of a the sudden there was no up, there was no down, there was no left, there was no right, there was no good, there was no evil, there was no dark, there was no light, there was nothing. Not even nothing existed. Nothing. Void. The only word that I can use in order to relate these concepts to you. I'm going to use some words, but there's no words to describe nothingness. For some reason, is the only way that I can say this, nothingness became aware of itself as nothingness. But then in, in that instant, it stopped being nothingness. 
although there was no space or time, so there was wasn't even an instant. There was nothing. But that nothing, becoming aware of itself as nothing, became something. And for this example, which I'm going to try to be as visual as possible, I don't have any fancy slides or anything because this is my first time doing this and uh, just wasn't uh, too prepared. I've done my best. This somethingness, for some reason, decided that the only thing other than itself as nothingness is to quote-unquote create because creation wasn't even in existence yet. To create other some things with itself. I mean, what else is something going to do? So, since something was the only thing in existence, which in reality is nothing, it split itself, in my experience, into a bunch of tiny little pieces like this. Voila! Some things! Now, just to make, get this clear, since there was no space or no time, these pieces were sort of super, superimposed on top of each other. Sort of like, uh, when you have, you're watching TV, there's one channel, but you have two, three hundred stations coming in. They all exist in the space-time continuum, you know, together with each other, but at a slightly different frequency. So that's what I experienced, this breakage, this split. It was all different frequencies in the same space-time, although there was no space-time yet. So, for some reason, these little pieces said, let's separate ourselves. Again, I'm using words, although there weren't words when I was experiencing this. Let's separate, it, separate ourselves by creating a construct we'll call space. So, space was created, and when I was in this bizarre altered state I realized that when I thought of the word hello all the little pieces would think hello at the same exact time instantaneously and simultaneously if again like I said I'm using words and concepts that so that you guys can understand what I'm saying if I turn to the right all the little pieces turn to the right simultaneously like robots, like clones of each other almost. Turn to the left, same thing happened. So this somethingness started developing a sense of intelligence, of awareness. And it decided to create a delay, which became time, so that when one little piece said hello, the other piece would say hello maybe 10 seconds later, the other one 20 seconds later, the other one 10 years later. And that was the beginning of the ego, separate from each other. It also understood, or it began to understand, that it had to create 
forgetfulness so that each and every little piece would forget where they came from their origin so that they can become individuals which again is the human ego now I hope that through my work because my book Into the Void is a trilogy a four part trilogy so I make my own reality so I make my own rules that people would stop following other people would stop being controlled by other people we've been taught to think a certain way to act a certain way and I believe that maybe when you're a child that's okay just to get you going but you should be taught how to think not what to think and psychedelics do this beautifully and to uh, elaborate on this concept which is why I'm bringing up the message that I would like to uh, present is that no man should follow another man but himself because each and every one of you is God how do I how can I say that because if this little piece here I mean remember this is nothingness that became somethingness the root of all the beginning of all that is uh, John Hanna the promoter of this conference is one of these little pieces so if I was to take for one second for an example all of the pieces away let's make believe that all these pieces never existed and I ask someone where is God where is somethingness where is something I would have to say John Hanna the John Hanna piece and remember that this piece can break into little pieces into infinity that's why I am so sure from my experience that each one of us is God we have forgotten that but the beauty of it is that in coming to this realization we'll be able to not only awaken to this fact but perhaps tell our neighbor hey don't follow so and so don't follow that book don't follow that philosophy you make your own philosophy you make up your own book you follow your own rules live your own life stop others from trying to control you and dipping into your wallet in the process because you see I came to find that organizations especially religious organizations will not let a disciple or a student develop past a certain point because then they will outgrow the organization and an organization needs members in order to survive 
So mental stagnation are the cost of one's, one's own spirituality and development is what these cunning groups of people will use in order to control. But I think that at the, at the dawn of this new millennium, people are starting to wake up to realize there's something more than what they've been taught. And they perceive that there's something in the air, there's a change taking place. And I believe that psychedelics play a very important role in this awakening. Uh, the way I see it, the psychedelic mind is in touch with itself more than the unenlightened mind. I think the unenlightened mind is in touch with materiality, with uh, culture, with religion, as opposed to spirituality, which again, to me, spirituality is self-experience. Scientists, uh, mathemati mathematicians, uh, physicists have, e you know, they have the theory that everything, you know, that the Big Bang theory, everything came from one point. They even have uh, formulations, you know, like the minus one tenth to the tenth power of when this took place. And what I believe happened is that, I hope you guys can see this, my own little model, this is what I spent in my bedroom, time doing in my bedroom, these crazy things, that reality split from them one point and there's not any not any one point in the middle to say that is the source point each little piece exists in its own space-time continuum but that's only as far as our perceived three-dimensional reality is concerned because in reality all that exists is this little point that we call, or that I call, somethingness, but that in reality is made out of nothing. We are nothing. But, par paradoxically, we're also something, which is, I don't know if you guys can see this, the uh, yin-yang. So, that's the origin of God, 101. Uh, to lighten things up, I like to share a combo that I experimented with. Uh, MDMA, psilocybin, salvia divinorum, the plant, not the extract, because I hadn't come across Daniel Siebert's uh, extract at the time of the experiment a few years ago, and a brainwave synchronizer. I found that the experiences elicited by these combos, both brain technology device and pharmacological substance, were, and I hate to use the word advanced, but they were not the typical experience. So I fell into a light sleep, but I was active. My mind was active. I was very lucid. And I felt 
a pair of hands rubbing my feet. I've experienced that phenomenon before uh, in the hypnagogic state. So it didn't surprise me. It didn't freak me out. In fact, mentally, which is the way that I tend to communicate in these out-of-body experiences, mentally, I communicated with this intelligence and it said, help me out of my body. And in that instant, it pulled me out. Pulled me out. Just like when you're taking a piece of pizza out of the uh, car in the box when it's stuck it just it's stuck and I was out to my surprise I found this very beautiful voluptuous woman how lucky and I'm sure uh, many of you have heard of the term astral sex maybe not you'll hear about it now thank you since I was beginning to take my analytical mind into these experiences, into these altered states, I asked, Who are you? What is your name? At first I didn't understand the voice too clearly, or the, the entity, the person. So I, I asked, Can you repeat it again? Can you spell it out? Because that's what I was beginning to do. I would get all these weird names and I would have them, you know, spell it out so that I can write about it when I would come back. And uh, basically, the name is Mnaminili. Her name was Mnaminili. Since I had a couple of uh, times before where I had, had dreams of sex, where I re wow, I'm having sex in my dream, that's pretty cool. This time, I'm completely lucid. And I figured, let me see what happens. So I tell Mnaminili, why don't we engage in some astral sex? Uh, she, replied, she replied, I'd love to meld my energy essence with you. And we started embracing, much like in physical, you know, in the physical world. You know, the kissing, the tongues. You know, it was all very real. Except that our bodies had a uh, sort of an ethereal quality to them. And the uh, more excited or hornier that I got, the more sparks that I would, that would start emanating from my body and from hers. At one point during the experience, for some reason, I started remembering some magazines I had on my nightstand that featured models and since our I at the time I didn't catch on I was I wasn't consciously aware of it but we were communicating telepathically so she was able to read my thoughts this entity so when I started thinking of the magazines and remembered Carmen Electra I'm I have my eyes closed and I'm engaged in this ordeal and when I opened my eyes I was surprised because I caught nominally morphing herself into the picture that was in my mind she was turning into Carmen Electra so there I was having sex with Carmen Electra safe sex Then for some reason, 
I thought of another model in the magazines. And lo and behold, there she was, mentally transforming herself into this supermodel. So I caught on that whatever I had in my mind, whatever image I had in my mind, she could reproduce for me. So this was like letting a little child loose in a candy store. Imagine the possibilities. I wanted to taste it all the candy. So I started remembering ex-girlfriends. And when I was uh, playing with her, with Naminali's breast, I found that her breasts were morphing into the image of the memory that was in my mind. So I did this maybe, oh, 50, 60 times. And she got, and Naminali got pissed off and pulled me away. Said, you asshole! And I felt terrible. I said, I- I'm sorry. I-, I didn't mean to do that, but I couldn't help myself. And she was very upset, to say the least. And she said, well, you know, why don't you go fuck yourself? Again, I was apologizing. And she told me, listen, I know it's not all, all your fault. I was doing it. So I'm far to blame. So let's not stop and let's continue with our energy melding. So thankful that I was going to be able to spark out some more. I closed my eyes and got into it. And when I was coming to the uh, conclusion, shall I call it, I opened my eyes and I screamed. Like I've never screamed before. It was bizarre. There it was. A replica of me. With a vagina. So that meant that I was. I had been literally fucking myself. For the past few minutes. She. Nominally. She always told me to. Mm, emphasize. To emphasize that. Mm. She told me. That it was okay, but in that instant, I was so startled by what had just happened that I woke up in my body and I said, My God, I have found, I have made a great discovery. This will give you an idea of the experiences that may be available to you with the proper training. I tried to make it as non-heavy as possible, as light as possible, in lieu of the uh, origin of God. Now, let's get back to a little, the uh, bizarre part of things. In my book, I outline a method for psychological time travel that allows for a person not to slip into the realm of probabilities because usually when somebody goes out of body and they're in their, let's say, living room they will notice that the living room that they're in in this out-of-body state is slightly different 
than their usual living room, than the usual reality that they perceive. Uh, what I found was that th the reason for this was because I was slipping into the realm of probabilities. So that's why the experiments uh, performed by uh, military agencies and various uh, labs around the world that would try to replicate uh, out-of-body experiences uh, with uh, verifiable targets like, you know, let's see if you can go out of body to the next room and describe this, you know, see this, as opposed to you're in some forest or, you know, you're in some, you know, twisted psychological funhouse. If you can actually bring back real world data, which is what the uh, remote viewers uh, were doing, I was given information by... Uh, these entities that I talk about in my book I, they're not entities really they're personalities there's five of them with me six that I came to discover that lay dormant within my psyche and my uh, experiments awoke me to their existence but I found that since three-dimensional reality is mostly serotonin induced altered state and the LSD molecules resemble dose of serotonin if I took a mild dose of LSD no more than 40 micrograms now the only problem with this is that usually a, a little blotter paper of LSD that you can buy in the street for seven bucks or whatever you don't know how much LSD there is in the in the uh, blotter it is, it is estimated between 80 micrograms and 100 micrograms you know so I would estimate somewhere around 35 to 40 micrograms in take, taking this uh, while right after one has ingested a carbohydrate rich snack in the afternoon will increase enough drowsiness to make one go to sleep going you know take a cat nap a light sleep because I when I in my experiments when I tried it at nighttime uh, I guess the uh, human brain and the human psyche are accustomed to going way out into dream systems um, but with the uh, LSD and, and, and the uh, carbohydrate rich dinner it has something to do with the metabolism the uh, neurochemicals that are released during this uh, biochemical process it allows you to remain when you leave your body because you will have a you since LSD makes you aware of things it, it has a very up quality to it you will become aware of the process involved as you go from sleep or from wakefulness into sleep into the out of body state and you will remain in the vicinity so it's an accurate tool for psychological time travel in this reality not in the realm of probabilities now the reason I've included this information in the book is because I'd like any scientists with credentials and with laboratories grants or what have you look into this I mean what I'm saying is time travel is possible if you follow that methodology you will not fall into the realm of probabilities you will stay in this vicinity a lot of people that I've shared with this say you know you're crazy but so was Galileo at the time so was Copernicus I'm not comparing myself to those people but I'm making a claim and I'm saying go ahead replicate it 
study it. Um, I don't know if there's any relevance, but I find it uh, extremely interesting. And uh, now I know why so many experiments cannot be... Um, they do not correlate with each other. And it's because the out-of-body traveler or psychonaut or whatever you want to call him uh, tends to go into an alternate reality. At a, it's a slightly out of phase with this reality because remember this table that is seemingly solid is vibrating really fast but we can only perceive one of those spins which is what scientists say it's the collapse of the wave function but there's other versions of the table that we're not seeing which exists in alternate space-time continuums which are parallel universes probable Earths which are inhabited by probable versions of us because we are made up of the same subatomic particles that this table and that lamp and this floor is made out of. Go ahead. Yes, he talks about uh, locale three, I believe, and the different locales, basically parallel Earths. Um, but most of his uh, experiences are in the astral, what is called the astral plane. I have a uh, map of the different realities that I have accessed with the various dosages of uh, psychedelics and hallucinogens. And to me, the most interesting ones are not the bizarre ones, but the ones that are just like this reality, because it seems bizarre to me that there's another me that didn't make it to this conference right now, existing in its own version of mass reality. In fact... Bush won the election, but it was so close, and I gather that Gore won the election also, just like we were witnesses to, but it happened, Gore is the president in an alternate reality, which again is what physicists have claimed for decades now. Okay. Uh, the BT6, the Brain Tuner 6, what it does is that it sends an electrical signal into the brain uh, and it releases the neurotransmitters responsible for short-term memory, but also others such as uh, dopamine, endocaplins, but endorphin. And this cocktail, that this par the, f the particular frequency that this device uses because there's a number of neuroelectrical stimulators in the market but the one that the BT6 which is hard to get but I recommend it highly there's now I, one being made a BT7 and there's now one available BT5 that I haven't heard positive things about it but if you guys can get your, if you're interested in this kind of weird stuff uh, can get a hold of a BT6 or the new BT7 definitely uh, employ it in your personal development because it will increase your memory, your short-term memory, not so much the long-term memory, but the short-term memory. Um, what was the uh, best technique to go into a dream already lucid? Uh, in my experience, it depends on the kind of uh, the, the reality that you want to 
go to because in my book I talk about what I call psychodynamic frequency domains. This is similar to uh, Rupert Sheldrake's theory more of the uh, morphogenetic field. And I believe that this reality as a whole is a psychodynamic frequency domain in which all of us has a, have agreed that there's a structure called the uh, Eiffel Tower in Paris, France. But there's another psychodynamic frequency domain in which that structure wasn't built or it was built later. So you can use ketamine to access faraway realities, salvia divinorum to delve deep into your subconscious mind, whereas if you use the mild dose of LSD in combination with uh, hypnagogic imagery in the afternoon catnap uh, hours, you will access this, this reality. Well, I wanted to liven up things after the origin of God. Thank you very much. So, now you know the great secret about the origin of God. Just don't pass that on to any of the straight people you know, because I don't think they're quite ready for it yet. As you might expect, uh, Zoe was the most controversial of all the speakers at that year's Mind States conference. I was, and still am, on the side of his most loyal supporters. Having uh, stood on that same stage just a few hours before Zoe, and looking out on those hundreds of highly experienced psychonauts, I know how intimidating a crowd it could be, and yet Zoe was unfazed. You know, he, he dove right into putting words to experiences that you and I know are truly ineffable. You know, we've all been there, you know, just back from a high four or plus five experience when we try to tell our companions about it, we sound like babbling kids, you know. It's, it takes a lot of courage to speak about these things, and to do it in as entertaining a way as Zoe does is truly a gift, I think. And if you ever get a chance to hear him in person, just don't miss it. You'd be glad you were there. <laughs> you know, until I played this tape just now, I'd, I'd forgotten about Zoe's story about his encounter with Mnimely. I hope she forgives me if I'm pronouncing that name incorrectly. I'd like to meet her myself someday. <laughs> what a great story that is. It's got to be one of the all-time great trip stories, I think. By the way, I agree with Zoe that the books by D.M. Turner are among the very best there are in the psychedelic genre. Of course, they're all out of print right now and have become collector's items. Hopefully we'll see somebody publish them on the net one day. But in case you didn't know, all of you D.M. Turner fans out there, even a highly experienced psychonaut like Turner can screw up. In fact, his screw-up cost him his life. As, uh, as I heard it, he drowned while he using ketamine in the bathtub. And in case you haven't heard me say this before, anyone, and I mean anyone, who uses these substances while in water, even if you have a sitter, is a complete moron. And any of your so-called friends who look the other way when you do it are in the same category, you know. Psychedelics and water just don't mix. I wonder how many of our friends out there have to die before our community figures that out. <laughs> I guess I somehow got back up on my soapbox. Sorry about that. I'm preaching to the choir here because I'm 
sure you already know this already. Before I forget, uh, let me give a couple of website addresses where you can keep up with what Zoe is doing these days. His main site is zoe7.com, Z-O-E number 7.com, and there you can find information about his uh, first book, Into the Void, uh, one he mentioned in this talk, and you can also find uh, information about his new book, Back from the Void, that's just been published. In fact, any day now, his uh, new site will also be coming online, and you'll be able to find that at backfromthevoid.com. Before I let you go, I thought I should also point out something that I think is uh, pretty significant about the talk you just heard. You know, Zoe gave this presentation in May 2001, and uh, as you just heard, one of the things he talked about was the existence of parallel universes with copies of yourself in them. And at the time he gave his talk, uh, that was the one item that some of his detractors focused on to try to discredit his other theories. Well, guess what? It took the scientific community only another two years to get up to speed to Zoe's point of view. But in May of 2003, the cover story in Scientific American stated that parallel universes are, quote, not just a staple of science fiction, other universes are a direct implication of cosmological observations. That's really an astounding article. and In fact, I, I couldn't believe that it wasn't the main topic of conversation around every dinner table in the world after it was published. You really ought to uh, take a look at that if you're interested in these things. And if you do, you'll discover that Zoe Seven's take on things is probably even more conservative than scientific Americans. <laughs> you know, as J.B.S. Haldane once said, not only is the universe stranger than we imagine, it's stranger than we can imagine. And so, thanks again to Zoe for helping us all stretch our imaginations a little bit more today. And thanks to all of you for being here with us again. Jacques Cordell and Wells, known in many circles as Chateau Hayuk, Thanks again for the use of your music here in the Psychedelic Salon. And for now, this is Lorenzo, signing off from Cyberdelic Space. Be well, my friends.